What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Vintage and Stuff with me, Drew Heifetz. Today, I have Youssef of Reset KC. All around, amazing guy. Uh, born and raised in Morocco, came to America in his 20s. Now, he has a thriving vintage business. And uh, we talk about that. We talk about all kinds of uh, other amazing things that he's done in his life. But the one major amazing segment in this episode is Youssef tells us the number one most valuable things that you find at the bins. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's not T-shirts. It's not true vintage. It's something else. So make sure you listen to find out about that. Just want to say thank you to all the Patreon members signing up lately. There's been a bunch of you guys super stoked. I've been posting lots of extra content in there. Every episode, I'm getting extra clips from the guests that I'm posting exclusively in there. <clears throat> you can sign up two bucks, five bucks, 20 bucks, whatever you want. I appreciate you all. It allows me to keep going, <clears throat> keep pumping these episodes out. This is actually fifth week in a row. I haven't missed a Monday drop very proud of that, guys. I'm very, very proud of that. Are you proud that I've done that? If you are, please share this episode. Please go share it on IG. Share it in your IG stories. Tag me. I'll repost you guys. Um, share it on Facebook. Leave me a review on iTunes or like this if you're watching on YouTube. It helps me a lot. Every little bit does. Without further ado, here is Youssef of Reset KC. Let's go. Seth, welcome to the show, my man. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. That's awesome, dude. I'm I'm pumped to have you, dude. I'm I'm actually really excited. You know, I I've known you for a while. We first met at the Rose Bowl. Um, Uh I don't know what must have been like six years ago when we first met in person. But we 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 were talking a long time before that. Yes. Yeah. Probably 2016. Yeah, geez, it's been a long time. Oh, it's been a while, dude. Uh, you know, I'm so you are the owner of Reset KC currently. You are partnered with Bruce, who also has another reset in Salt Lake City, right? St. Louis. St. Louis, sorry, my bad. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And currently skate and thrift, correct? Or, or so not not currently, but previously you were skate and thrift on IG. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what started, uh, everything, man. I mean, it, it was, it was, uh, literally like I didn't even try. I'm kind of embarrassed by it because it was literally 
what I do. Like I will thrift and then like in the evening or nighttime, we'll just go skate. So it was like skate thrift. That's all we do. Yeah, you know? that's rad. That's how the uh, name came about. It's so funny. I'm pretty sure I would have known you back in those days, but also Bruce was like, he's still in my phone as skate and thrift. <laughs> so, so that's what's up. Um, dude. Um, yeah, but I mean, I knew I, Bruce. You know what's funny? I knew Bruce like shortly before I met you in person. Like I didn't know him that well before I met you. Oh no way! I, I didn't. That's crazy. Yeah, we didn't meet until like twenty, late twenty fifteen, maybe. Like back when Polo was like everything. Polo yeah. was like Polo and Tommy were like on top. Yeah, I I got some questions for you about that, but I want to like rewind it back to like your your uh your well your life in vintage, like how you got into it, but also like your your life in general. I think it's interesting. So, um, like. Are you're not born in America? Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. So you want to like in, uh, give us a story of like how you came to be in the states and everything? Yeah, I'm definitely a, an oddball. <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> like I meet up with people and they like if I didn't tell you I wasn't born here, you probably would assume that I'm just you know I was born here and everything is normal. But I didn't actually come to the states until 2008. So I was born in Morocco and North Africa. And um, I was there until I was like 24. And then I came here. But before then, like I thrifted out of necessity. I have no, I had no choice. Like we were like, you know, poor as fuck. So like, hold on. Are, are we allowed to cuss? Yeah. Me? Yeah. You can swear. <laughs> sure. Sure. Oh, sure. Oh, Hell oh, yeah. My bad. So like, you know, we were poor and like, I have no choice but to go thrift. So. And you're talking like uh, back in Morocco, like you, you were thrifting. Yeah. 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 I'm talking like, I'm like 13, 14 year old, you know, that's like 14 about to go to high school, uh, you know, high school, like you're going to get ridiculed for like wearing whatever, but I mean, you know, teenager thinking that way, but now it's like, whatever. But, you know, I, I have to go, I, I gotta get, I gotta go get fresh. Like I got, I gotta look good or at least, you know, presentable in a way. So that's, that's how I started thrifting. So what was that like in Morocco? What were the thrift stores like? Are they, is it a similar thing to here? Like there's just charity shops that sell cheap clothes? Dude, there is no actual thrift stores. It's only rags or bins. So there's like a flea market every Wednesday or every Thursday. So back home, Casablanca, which is the city where I'm from, uh, we had three. So one was Wednesday, one was Thursday, and one was Sunday. So I made sure I hit all of those. So, but me, like, you know, out of necessity and I have limited source of income, I got to get what was going to last me for a while. I can't just buy whatever, you know? Yeah. So M65s, 501s, and boots. That's it. That's, That's a classic look, thing. dude. Yeah. Yeah. So Straight it's classic. Up. You look good. You know, I was heavy into metal at that time, uh, at that period anyway. So like it, you know, it was like, 
good for everything. <laughs> and so. the, these markets you're talking about, would you see people popping bales and stuff from America? Like, is that how the vibe yeah, was? Yeah. So, like most of the most of the stuff we were getting was from Spain. You get Spain, Italy, England, and like a little bit of French. So, like French military uh, jackets, you know, like the yeah. I don't. I I honestly don't remember the name of them, but they were blue. And they had a little pocket here to the side, you know, back, yeah. I mean, we're talking 2000 and we're talking 2003, 2004. I'm talking North Africa. Like there is no YouTube, no internet, no cell phones. I have nobody to teach me nothing. So I'm like, I don't know the names of anything. So we were just, we were calling it the blue jacket. You know, we were just inventing names that made sense to us. You know, uh, did, did you I have like a crew of homies wow. that would go with you? Like, was that you and you and yeah. like your oh, high yeah. school buddies? Yeah. 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 There was three of us. Yeah. And we all nice. would, like, so Yusuf is like, uh, it's like a Steve or like a Mike in, in like the States or Canada. It's a very popular name. So okay. it was three of us and we're all like, you, it was Yusuf, Yusuf, Yusuf. Like three Yusufs going to thrift. <laughs> so damn, it's that popular of a name. Yeah, yeah, it was popular, dude. So, and we were into the same thing. That was like because I got introduced to skateboarding kind of late. Uh, I didn't start skating until I was like seventeen. So, but that was the beginning of me getting introduced to skateboarding is through thrifting, you know. And I'll find like skate stuff, and I'll be like, "What the fuck is this?" So I try to go, we have what you call a, a cyber cafe. So you go, you pay like a dollar for like an hour and you get an hour worth of internet in that cafe. So you can look up whatever you want to. So you better use that dollar real good because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a dollar back home. I mean, that's like, you know, I mean, I, I get grocery for like four days. Wow. You know, that's wild. So, so, so you'd go to the, you'd go to the cyber cafe and you would like do some research and like see what's popping. And like, this is obviously still a lot less information was even on the internet at that point, I'm assuming. So, yeah. So like what we were looking at were either music videos or documentaries or a concert and you just pause it right then and there. And you're like, that's what that dude is wearing. Like, what, what is that? You know what I'm saying? Like, you just, we had, we didn't have anybody to say, Hey, that's a pair of 501s. We just leave. It was Levi's to us. So I was probably wearing like, you know, 505s or like 570s as well and complaining about the fit not being the same, not yeah, knowing totally. that there's, you know, different lots. So yeah, but I mean, it wasn't until like, you know, the internet started like actually becoming, you know, uh, making it easy for us to search and some websites starting to pop. Like, I didn't even know. I mean, come on, 2003, I don't even know what eBay is. I don't think, I don't know if eBay existed at that time. I probably, that would have been like early. Well, I mean, they were around, but it was still early in the game. Not a lot of people were on it. Right, right. And, and nobody cared for the stuff we were looking for anyway. So I probably had. You know, probably late nineties, five oh ones, maybe some salvage. Who the hell knows? I mean, probably like Yeah, totally. Could have had some pair from the thirties or forties. Who the hell knows? You know? So did you learn to speak English before you came over? Partially. 
I thought I, I spoke English, but when I was when I when I got faced with reality, I was like, "Damn, what is this dude saying?" Especially if you had like an accent, like a Southern accent, I'm yeah. lost. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'll just not. I'll be like, yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like my father-in-law, he had like a thick Southern accent. I'd just be looking at him like, like I'll get the gist of what he's trying to say, but I don't, I don't understand every word. Yeah, but totally. uh, English, English is very available, you know, even at that time, it's like a universal language. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's not no. hard, especially if your native language is Arabic, English to you is easy to learn. The pronunciation is what's difficult. Yeah. So you said your stepdad. So how what what brought your family to America? Well, not my stepdad. My uh, my, my bad. My father in law. Oh, your father in law. Uh, okay. So yeah, so my father in law. Did you move here with your family, or did you just leave on your own and move here? I just left. I, I left. Well, I mean, if if you want the full story, real quick. You know, I don't want to bore everyone, but like, no, this is good shit. We want the story, man. You know, um, so like, oh, oh, four, oh, I graduated, I graduated high school in oh, three, I believe. Damn, I'm old. Oh, <laughs> three. Yeah. So I was like, so I was trying to do something with skateboarding. I was heavily into, like, I was skating every day. I was trying to, like, you know, come up with footage, trying to get sponsored, stuff like that. Uh, you know, uh, there was, a DC was heavy in North Africa. Like they were picking guys on like on flow, like flow team. Uh, they'll kick you like some free gear. And that's literally, that's all we wanted. I could care less for money. Like yeah. a board is like impossible to buy. And for me to spend 70 bucks on a board, you know, I, I your, your, uh, style of skateboarding is limited. Like. I'm so not, at I'm that think, time in North Africa, like, did you have a local skate shop? Or was there a skate park? Negative. Negative. There we was had no surf shops. Surf, surf is huge in Morocco. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So, so you buy surf you'd buy the boards at the surf shops. Yeah, yeah, they carried some decks like now, Quicksilver. Did uh, like I don't know. I'm like picturing Morocco. I've never been. I gotta go. But like, what's the street skating like there? Think of Morocco as 90% Spain. Okay. Because Morocco and Spain used to be the same. You know, not I'm, to go into history language, but his, Spain used to be part of Morocco. And then the Catholic Church came in, you know, yada, yada, yada. So they got separated. But it, so it's same, it's like the architecture. A lot of old architecture, right? Like really yeah. old historic what you architecture. See, it's Moroccan, actually. That's Moroccan. So that's why, like, I look somewhat hispanic because spain spanish people came and invaded south america so the dna is there you know south america and north africa kind of look alike yes full circle okay okay so like did you have six spots to skate like was there was it a good street scene in where you were living i mean dude we knew so so like the city is huge casablanca is huge like i would say like five, six million people that live there, you know? So it's, it's a big city. And, uh, probably there was like, probably like 30 of us in the entire city. And we had, I had your phone. It was the landline. 
Like yeah, no, yeah. obviously no cell phone at that time. So like if I, if I come by your spot and you're not there, you're not there. I mean, I'm, there's no way of, fi- of finding you, you know? So, but we all had this uh, plan of like meeting up at this specific spot at like 5.30 p.m. like every day. So nice. even if I don't see you, I'm going to see you there. Yeah, yeah. You know? And, 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 go, and go I mean, hit the spots. Right. So you have, I had family members and we all had family members abroad in Europe and they will bring us a board in the summertime. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Some of us had to make that board last for the whole year. Like, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you're not going to skate. Yeah. So jump back into the story of how you moved. Yeah. So, uh, you know, heavy into skateboarding. Um, it's not paying off. You know, I, I feel like I'm losing all my money. I'm trying to like find jobs here and there. So I go thrift. I try to sell what I'm thrifting. Obviously nobody's interested. You know, it's, uh, Morocco considered the country still in development. You know, I mean, uh, you're talking kind of like Mexico, like India back in, you know, at that time. And like, who am I going to sell to? We have, we have, um, what you call, um, so when, when, when the French and the Spanish tried to invade or invaded Morocco, they left, you know, there's like remnants, like people are still there. So they have their communities. It's like a gated community. So they have okay. like their college, they have their high school and whatnot. So I'll, I'll sit up in front of the high school and try to sell these kids banties and shit. Cause I know they're going to pay up for it. You know what I'm saying? Like we yeah. try to come up like, you know, like a Nirvana tea for like, you know, 40 bucks. I mean, back in the day, nobody cared. Nirvana tea was not worth shit. Yeah. You know? Like, I mean, it's crazy to say, but like, uh, I don't know about the States at that time, but like, oh, three, if you're getting 30 bucks for an Ivanity, you're a king. Yeah. I mean, at least maybe, maybe a bit more in, in Canada and the States, but not a ton. So that was, that was a good hustle. And like, you would be able to move some product to these, to these communities. I was able to serve. I mean, you know, like I was able to not have my parents, uh, not rely on my parents for anything. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. the culture is different. Like, yeah, back over there, you can still like live with your parents for a while. Like, it's whatever. Nobody cares, you know. Like, but I was, you know, I like I want to like I want to do my own thing, dude. Like, I'm not gonna sit here fucking around. Like, I was, I had, you know, uh, I was passionate about it. Like, I want to get out of here, and then. You know, we, we were making like associations. We were making like uh, all types of like efforts for the city to like cooperate with us, give us a space, make a DIY skate park, something like that. We would just keep thrown away, thrown away. We just keep like, you know, thrown around from like one side to the other. And, you know, finally, I just got fed up. I was like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Like I was 24 here I, I dude, I'm 24 fucking years old. I'm and you're out here yelling at me, like, go find a real job or whatever. You know, I feel like this problem is universal though. It's not like just us, like everybody, even here in the States, they will still back in the day, you know, we were the freaks. Like they will still call you, like, you know, like go get a real job. Skateboarding is not a 
you know, it's not going to do anything for you. I'm like, bro, come on, man. Yeah. It's like you the, the, but, uh, the, the fringe. Yeah. The outcast. So it was at that time when I got fed up and I was like, I'm out. So I literally got, I sold some vintage. Uh, I met my girl at the time, like at the beginning or like the end of 2008. And I was like, yo, I'm trying to leave. Like, there's nothing for me to do here, which is sad to say. Like, I really wanted to do something, but I was like, I have a family like that's going to need help, too. You know, um, so I got to I got to do something. I got to somebody's going to make a sacrifice. So I just left literally left everything behind. Speaking of which, people like read like it's not just like. Hey, let me go to the embassy and they're just going to give me a visa. It's a huge process. You know what? You can get it or you. You know, they're probably going to tell you, hey, you're banned from going anywhere. So you had to apply in Morocco at home to get approval to even leave and go to to America. Not to leave, but just to get into America. Yes. Yes. And it's uh, it takes a lot of money. Like it's it's very expensive. So like what was the what was the basis of you going to America? Like just you wanted to go and that's it. And you applied or was it like. I mean, it's, you know, being a skater, you got to go to the source, right? I mean, I, I got to go to the stage. That's where skateboarding came from. Um, yeah. I was like, I was fed up with Europe. I have so much family in Europe. I was like, I'm not interested. It just does not interest me. Like, I'm interested in a Chevelle versus an old M3. That, does that make sense? <laughs> like, like I'm, you know, like I'm not like I want to go over there. Like, why? It's it seems different. Like, there's something going on there that's different. You know, yeah. like, we don't get that vibe. And sure enough, I came here. It's like a whole different world. Like, uh, Americans don't give a shit what's going on in Europe, or, or you know, you know what I'm saying? They're like, we live in a bubble here. Yeah, we sure do. So, yeah. where did you go to? You went right to where you're at now. Yeah, so I went to the embassy. I was like, this is, you know, advice for anybody who's trying to do anything or go anywhere, don't lie. Just don't lie. Just be honest. Be like, yo, I'm I'm trying to go. I'm trying to build a future for myself. I'm tired of being like ignored here. I skate. This is what I do. I have a, I I did have a diploma. I had an associate degree and I was like, you know, I'm going to go try my, my luck. And they took my passport two weeks later. They were like, you know, we're, we're giving you a visa. Go, go try your luck. Uh, my visa was for 30 days. So like, how you got to make, uh... you got to make it happen in those 30 days. Otherwise you come <laughs> back. <laughs> so yeah, I landed in Chicago and then from Chicago, we came to this, uh, to Kansas city. Obviously first impression I'm in the Midwest. What the fuck am I doing here? Like, I need to go to like, you know, New York, Cali. That's what I want. Like, that's what I'm used to. I'm a big city, you know, but it took me a while to realize that, you know, it's actually not like the Midwest is a great place to live in. Like as far as like uh, cost of living and stuff like that, because I went to New York and I was like, holy shit, like because I smoked at that time. I still smoked like cigarettes and whatnot. So a pack of cigarettes, I think it was like 15 bucks. Versus like four bucks here. I was like, no, nah, I'm staying here. 
uh, yeah, how ridiculous it's, it's, my cigarettes it, was my standards. That's like, it. You're <laughs> like, yo, if I'm on a pack a day, it's going to run me dry uh, out here in New York. <laughs> so that's, that's it, wild. Like, but how did you make it happen in 30 days? Like, did you have to stay beyond your visa illegally or did you, did dude, something so change? Or? That, yeah. There's so many things that people take for granted that we don't like I landed. I didn't even know how to cross the road. You know how you go to like a red light and there's the button you press and you, we don't have that shit. Come on, man. I'm like, I just came from like, you know, I'm, I'm from the other side of the world. I, I just stood there like looking around, like what the fuck are these people doing? You know, like, yeah, I mean, wild. you want to cross the road, you just cross the road. Like people here, I, I think, they called it jaywalking. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? I'm, I'm crossing the road. She was like, nah, like sometimes a police officer can stop you. Like you can get like a citation or whatever. You know, that's, my, that's crazy. what my girl was saying that. But uh, in those 30 days, I basically got married to uh, my girl. And, and she's American. Once you get married, that's it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was the only way. Yeah, for there, sure. There's no way. Yeah. You know, but we were planning on it anyways. Um, yeah, but well, yeah, dude, that, that's, a, that's what you got to do, I and that's what made it work. And you're here so now, what? dude. You're here now, and we're stoked to have yeah. you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm stoked to be here. So uh, fast forward a bit, okay? You're here in America. You're you were did you jump right into selling clothes or did you like go out and get a job at a restaurant like what what was the next phase for you yeah i well i couldn't work legally i couldn't work um for 6 months you have to wait for a work permit is what they call it um so during that time you can do like most you know most somebody's grass or you know shovel snow whatever but uh once, once the six months passed, I didn't know. I, I first of all, I don't even know how I made it through that those six months because I was about to lose my shit. Like you can't, you can't work, you can't drive. The Midwest here, like Kansas City, is spaced out. It's not like if you don't have a car, you're screwed. Like you know. Yeah, um, and you're probably broken. You're probably super broke, right? Like trying to get through this period without yeah. work. I can't work. I don't have money. Uh, I can't ask anybody for money. Hell no. I got too much pride for that. So like, I'm just going to sit here. You know, I was like riding my board here and there. My wife or like my uh, mother-in-law, they will drop me at the skate park every now and then. And I'll, I'll have to, if they drop me at the skate park, I got to stay there until they're off work. You know, I can't just go back whenever I want it. So, you know, it was, uh, it was tough, man. It was tough, but. You know, once I got, once I got cleared to work, I had to work, you know, normal jobs. You know, I worked at Target grocery store for a while. Um, and then I worked as, I worked for Coca-Cola, Pepsi, 7-Up. Um, you know, I actually, I had a, a good job at Coca-Cola, like a well-paying job with good benefits and all of that and uh, i just i left all of that behind i was like you know i don't know like what was the job like distribution or sales or what yeah so i started as a merchandiser and then i went to sales 
and I was like a account manager, basically like a sales rep. It, it's what it is. Yeah. You know, um, traveling around, which helped me a lot because I was traveling around and I knew the area very well. You know, working at the grocery store helped uh, my vocabulary very well. Um, you know, it, it's crazy because like here's this dude who works at a grocery store with like a slight accent. But like when you ask him, where's a plunger? I'll be like, what the fuck is a plunger? Because I don't know what a plunger is because my English is like limited and people will look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, I just don't know. You know, like I came yeah. from this, you know, I have, and I feel obligated to like tell them my whole story, but I don't want to. So it's like, whatever, I just let it slide. But you know, it, but it those helps. are the, those well, are the building blocks, man. That's like, you know, you're saying, uh, it's all building blocks to where you're at now. Right. Being around all yeah, the people dude. at the grocery store got you speaking good English, and the the Coke job got you cruising around the city. I imagine. And then, when did you land on on selling clothes? Yeah, so I talked. I uh, talked to my wife one day, and we saw this 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 Tommy uh, windbreaker at Savers, and I was like, "Yo, I had that same one back home. Like, I thrifted it." She was like, Oh, you want it? I was like, I do. Like, I'm going to buy it. Like, this is like, you know, my childhood right here. So I bought it and it, it was the red one. It was a red one with like the Tommy patch. It said Tommy jeans on the front. Then I go on eBay and I'm like, I think this is like 2015. And I, I think it was like 40, 50 bucks. Like Tommy was just starting to like, you know, come back. Those, yeah. the, those years, I feel like 14. 15, 16, it was like the the top, the height. But yeah, and I, I was like, yo, like I can do what I was doing back home and just like thrift this stuff and we can sell on eBay. Do you have an eBay account? She was like, yeah, I have one. I was like, bet, <laughs> let's go, <laughs> you know? So uh, if like, uh, if I work the morning, I'll thrift the evening and then vice versa. And then it, it got to a point where like, we were making like real decent money from like just thrifting. So that's when the, you know, I was like, well, maybe I should be, I should go full time and just, just fuck this job. Cause I'm kind of like tired of it. Like I hate waking up. I don't know, bro. I hated, like, I want to be independent, like my entire life, you know, like I can make 30 cents. I don't give a shit. I just want my peace of mind. I don't want nobody breathing down my neck. It's not going to happen. You know, yeah, fair enough, dude. I'm with you on that. Yeah. The freedom. So I worked like, I worked like some, some shitty jobs. You know, I actually was working two, possibly three jobs technically at some point. Um, like I would, you know, eBay, I was working at this grocery store, you know, high V. I don't think you guys have any of them in Canada, but like I was just a bus boy or like I'll clean dishes and shit like that. And then in the morning I'll work for Coke. So, you know, just trying to save as much money as I can. That keep in mind, I have a family back home that's relying on me to bring the bread. <laughs> so like, you know, brother was under a little bit of stress. <laughs> so you the whole time you were sending money back to Morocco. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. you still you still doing that today? Until this day. Yeah. Good man. I'm, I'm dude. 
I'm the engine, bro. It's it's like if I'm gone, it's that's it. That's like I crazy. said, somebody had because I that, saw it. Come- that, that's a cultural thing, right? Like, yeah, is, is that that's pretty common back home for like the kids to take care of the family. I mean, especially when you're like the the oldest, you're like there's expectations that you're gonna hold it down. You know, which is sometimes unfair, but, uh, you know, you got to make it happen. Yeah. I don't know. Just make it happen, you know? So that's why I saw it coming, dude. Like I said, like, oh, oh, five, oh, six. My dad is about to retire. He's got like three years left. I saw it coming. I'm like, I got to do something like right now. If I don't, we're screwed. So, uh it's so different than culture here. Like that's, you know, people here, yeah, sure. Sometimes they might take care of their folks, but a lot of times they don't. Right. And I think that's, it's, it's interesting to me, um, the difference there. Like, how do you feel about it? Like personally? It's, it's pretty sad, man. It's, it's, uh, I've seen some things and I just shake my head. Like, it's it's pretty sad. People people should. That's the basis of everything. Like if you think about it, those two humans brought you into this world. Granted, you know, they weren't thinking about it. Like because like for me, I grew up with five other brothers. Okay, so there's six of us total. So you have to think twice before bringing a human being into this world. Like for real, for real. Like people just have babies like it's nothing. Like, yeah, sure. come on, man. Like it's, it's saturated. It's, you know, who, who's going to take care of them? Who's going to like, once you die, are they, are they going to grow up to be decent human beings and contribute to the society or are they just going to like, you know, that's the culture that I came from. When you, when, when, when somebody is born, their money is born with them. Like God somehow is just gonna like give them their money like bro like, is that's not how it works okay like i'm a you know not to bring religion into it but like i'm a religious too but like so you're what you're saying work. is like the, the 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 culture kind of believes that like have more kids means like more wealth for the family correct yeah okay. and it, that's like the dumbest shit i've ever heard yeah <laughs> You're like, like I'm, I'm out here busting my ass because you expect this kind of thing. But I also feel you because you're saying like it's sad that the American culture doesn't view it like that at all. And we're very opposite. And I, for me, it's like I know there's going to be a point where like Jesse and I are going to end up probably taking care of our parents. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, to a degree, I'm like, OK, um, not gonna, I'll be straight. I'm like a bit annoyed about it because I'm like, fuck, I wish you guys would have planned better. But on one side, I'm like, of course, I'm going to do it because you're my parents. But right. I think I think that's the culture here. It's it's very different. And, it, you know, it's yeah. nice to hear your view on it because it puts it in perspective that like probably your culture is more in line with like most of the world. Right. Where like uh, 
India, China, Africa, these places like it's the family unit is set up different where like they do look at it like that. People stay with the family unit longer, live with the parents. Grandparents are living in the same houses a lot of times. And then it's like it's pooled money, take care of the family mentality that is totally lost in America, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, senior houses and stuff like that, to me, it was like a foreign concept until I came here. You know, I'm not saying we don't have them. We do, but they are for like somebody who like had a tragic, uh, you know, a- accident in his family or whatever. And he doesn't have any kids or he doesn't have anybody to take care of him. Then you go there. But if you have kids and if you're at a senior house or whatever, to me, that's like crazy, dude. Like that individual. I mean, think of it this way. They, at least they raised you until you were like, I don't know, six or seven. So at least you owe them that like seven years, at least until you could eat on your own and, and shit like that. Come on, dude. Like totally. I mean, just this logic, even if you didn't like them, which that's on the, that's a whole different subject, but, but like yeah, just from a whole the, another story. Yeah. You know, just from the perspective of like owing somebody something. At least you do that, you know. Yeah, I gotta but change. Yeah, yeah, I gotta. Ch- right. I gotta change. I gotta change my tune because I'm. Uh, yeah, like it, it. Sometimes I get like wigged out about it, where I'm like, "Fuck," you know. I gotta. I'm gonna have to do this, but it's nice to hear your perspective, man. I want to jump forward again, back to getting into clothing. Uh, so, at some point you you're a polo head like you're into polo not maybe not like a lot of the new york heads but you probably that's probably a ralph Lauren shirt you're wearing right now am i correct yes, sir double rl <laughs> nice double rl so uh you're very into it um when did that start and why um it started Mid two thousands, Kanye was big. He was wearing a lot of polo at that time. I mean, Kanye, like you know. Uh, granted, he's not the one that's like, you know, I can't contribute it to him. Like there was people before him, obviously, but polo was predominant. Like if you know, if if people paid attention to like all the all the music videos and stuff like that, you will see a lot of rappers celebrities or rock stars even like wearing all kinds of polo actors you know uh, but the horsies really didn't interest us we wanted like the other stuff you know we wanted like the crowns or like the the, the big graphics the polo sports you know coming from like i'm talking you know like teenage years you want the flashy stuff you don't want you know you don't want like a little polo with like the horsey on the side, like you. <laughs> the, yeah. You know, to us that was like whatever. But um, at, back home, it it wasn't really that big. Polo is not really big because like we had uh, uh, Lacoste is huge, so we're pretty yeah, close to France. So Lacoste it takes over everything. Definitely like, more Europe- European vibes with Lacoste. Yeah, yeah it's a European. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, but when I came here, it was game on. Like, I got to find me some polo, you know. So it started with like the polo sports, you know, just the little windbreakers with the little polo sport on the side. And then I think the uni was my very first like 
big piece that I got. I got the little uni with the two stripes on, like going like this, a crew neck. And uh, I thrifted it from Savers. Like I remember that day, like it was yesterday. Like that was my very first like American polo piece that I thrifted. Nice. And that, yeah. And then from there on, I mean, uh, to me personally, polo is just was one of those things that was uh, timeless, you know? It never died and probably never will. Like, look at Tommy. Where's Tommy now? Yeah. You know, I'm not saying Tommy's dead. Like, I'm not trying to talk shit. Just don't get me wrong. But like, where is it? Where's all of those Tommy accounts that were going hard? Where where you at? You know? Yeah. I'm pretty sure they still like it. But like, versus Polo, yeah, it's not hot. But Polo is still hot under the radar. It's true. And, you know, when you you think back to those times when, you know, when we met and like those early, not maybe not early days, but, you know, mid 2000s to 10, whatever, it was like polo was always like this, like sitting at the top of the vintage kind of like pyramid where it was like you always that was the big score yo polo piece got this polo piece got that polo piece found like a a plates or uh whatever it was and it was always talked about and shared and like commute people came together about it kind of you know and um and i guess for you too like you know it, it, it is based in americana right yeah that's what that's what that's what i'm attracted to that's what starts that, you know, because like I said, growing from the uh, on, on the other side of the world, we don't get the shop jackets. We don't get the Harleys. We don't get the 3D emblems. We don't get, you know what I'm saying? So um, Americana was at the center of what I was attracted to. That's why I wanted to come here. I want, you know, I wanted to drive an El Camino and wear 501 and you know yeah fully what what is what are these pancakes they be talking about like what is this you know like some stuff that was like you just seen a movie you know you don't know or like i put together a little polo quiz for you uh uh-huh you ready okay (laughs) uh and most of some of this stuff was some of these questions are from jesse by the way so Oh I personally, like I, I know a lot about polo through the for being in vintage, but I was never, I never considered myself a polo head. But we're gonna quiz you on some polo knowledge here, okay? Man, I'm about to look bad right now. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, okay, so what year was polo founded? Uh, technically, '67. That's what they go by. Nice. Yeah, of course. Like you see that referenced on lots of pieces. They print yes. it on a lot of different things. Um, you know, they're proud of that year for sure. Um, yeah. Okay. Next question. What was the first thing that Ralph Lauren started selling under the Polo Ralph Lauren name? First garment. Um, he was selling ties at Bloomingdale's out of a you drawer. You're doing good, yeah. man. That's two for two, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man, I, I don't i don't I know mean, the full story I, of how I, long you ran man. like i we we always look up to him when it comes to i think in my opinion and not just because i'm on this podcast i always say it, like he's probably got the craziest collection i've ever seen yeah 100 dude he for sure does and um yeah. he's very passionate about it like you are so 
Right. Um, okay, another third question. What was Ralph's yeah. original last name? Uh, Lifshitz. Yeah, three for three. I guess uh, the story goes that he changed his name to be more American or accepted or more marketable, potentially, you know? Well, um, him coming from a Jewish background, it was actually, he, I mean, it bothered him, but it was his brother who actually took the initiative to uh, start, the, as far as I know, to really? ch- change to Lauren. So did the whole family change? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no shit. Oh, yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, okay, this 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 next question, question number four, comes from okay. Jesse. He says, what year did the RLYC Anchor Sweat come out? RL what? RL Yacht Club, RLYC. Oh, is he talking about the 93 one? Yeah, 1993. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah. that, one, that one is fire. So you're four for four, dude. You're crushing it. Um, okay. Question five. What uh, was double RL? Oh, damn, how many questions did you guys ask? I, I gotta, <laughs> we're, keep going. We're like halfway. We're like halfway. <laughs> what was double RL named after? Uh, uh, I believe it was named after his ranch, wasn't it? In Colorado? Yeah. You got yeah, it. Yeah. The double yeah. RL ranch. It's like his getaway property, their ranch in Colorado. Um, Epic property. If you look it up online, the pictures are like crazy <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. It's, I mean, come on. Double RL is like one of those brands. It's like once you grow up, like, you know, you simmer a little bit and you're like, damn, okay, I understand what they're doing. Because when I was oh, young, yeah. it didn't interest me at all. No. And then that kind of like that simmer is just being around clothing for the, all the years. Right. And then you start to see the references and you're like, okay, like this is deeper than what I originally like saw it as, you know? And, and then that brings like appreciation for vintage design. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you clearly, you see that they're like, you know, somebody took like a parka fish jail military one and just studied it and tried to, replicate it in a Ralph Lauren way, you know, stuff like that, or like a buckle back. Speaking of which, I saw you guys just come up on those uh, raw double RL jeans. Yeah. Like, a, was it like two days ago? Oh, that's wild. Yeah. Literally Monday after bowl. So yeah, two days ago. Um, yeah. Super rad. Our friend sent us the link. He's this guy used to sell vintage actually, but then he became a like liquidator, you know, someone who just takes shit from department stores and he yeah. got a he got this full load of load of denim and he saw the double RL, so he pulled him out and we got the call. Uh super nice guy. Unfortunately, like most of the sizes was like 25 to 27, you know, like tiny waist. But we definitely pulled out like a hundred pairs or so that were like 30 to 36 range super good quality denim super good yeah price. dude i saw some buckle bags and stuff like those are good yeah that's good stuff yeah that was, that was a dope score and yeah i you know from that post i moved quite a lot actually to like people in the in the community so yeah stoked hell yeah okay we're moving on to question number six we have right. what famous 90s polo item 
did Mac Miller get photographed in on stage? That he Rest got from peace. us. Um, R.I.P. Mac Miller. Yes. He got, I, I believe it was the pullover, the, the plate he had on. With like, yes. Yeah. Dude, Dude six, he, six for six. Yeah. He was heavy into vintage too and, and the snapbacks because snapbacks was hot. Like, you know, uh, 2012, 13, 14. Yeah. And he, he helped that movement grow because he would, he would rap about it. He had a song about it. Yeah. And uh, that was like – that was the movement, like backpack rapper, kids out there digging snapbacks. Like it was part of the time, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big RIP. Okay. Question seven. Was RL Riders on the country label? So RL Riders is a line on the country uh-huh. label made uh-huh. for men, women, or both? Hmm. I've never seen men, so I'm going to go with women. <laughs> yep. You got it. Uh, Jesse loves this line. Have you have you had some pieces from the RL Riders? I never. like. It's like a unicorn, dude. I saw him post like a leather jacket the other day. I was like, how the fuck did you find this shit? Like, <laughs> yeah. Shout out, awesome. Eric, shout out Eric, our homeboy in Cali. He actually came up on that one, sold it to Jess. But the but yeah, it's obviously if you've never even had a piece, that's how rare it is. Like this shit is rare. It was like a subcategory yeah. on the country country label, motorcycle inspired line, um, really cool cuts and styles for sure. But hard to yeah, find. dude. Yeah, Ralph Lauren. I mean, when it comes to jackets, in my opinion, they'll they'll kill a jacket. Like they will make you a good good ass jacket. Oh, you yeah. appreciate it for sure. And like. That that goes across the board, like hunting style, military yeah. style, leather leather motorcycle jacket, like all of the shit that they do. Outerwear is usually on super point. clutch. Yeah. The puffers, the goose, yeah, the goose is like on point. Um, okay, last question. Okay, you you're about to get a perfect score if you get this last okay. question right. <laughs> Okay. What is the rarest color of the famed crest knit sweater? Crest knit? You know what I'm talking about? The crest knit? That's a turtleneck, isn't it? It is, yeah. And it's like With the, big, the big crest, like this, like the yeah, big yeah, crest yeah. on the I, knit. Yeah, yeah. I have it, but I've always seen it in like a, uh, a dark blue. Okay, we're looking for the rarest colorway of that sweater. Mm. See, that item really doesn't doesn't grab my interest that well. Uh, man, there's no I've I've never seen another color other than that. Is there like a black one? Other than the blue? Yeah. Um I don't know if there's a black. This was one of Jesse's questions, but the the rarest color from what Jesse says is the purple. And I I feel like maybe that's a Euro version because, you know, like too, with a lot of the rare polo, there was like uh, some rarer European releases, different colorways of certain items. So that might have been like a Euro release, but it's the purple. I've never seen it. 
Okay. Well, there you go. Well, that's a damn good score. Um, obviously, you know your polo, so. Um, damn, Jesse, why you had to do me like that, man? <laughs> I know. Almost perfect. <laughs> Quick intermission here. A word from our sponsor, BidStitch. Today, I'm telling you about an event BidStitch is partnering with Faded in Rhode Island, just outside of Boston, May 28th. Check out Faded, sponsored by BidStitch. Check out BidStitch.com. Sell your products on there. Go buy vintage on there and all that good shit. Back to the episode. So while we're on the polo topic, you actually met your partner, Bruce, through polo. He told me that you actually met because he had a huge polo collection come up or something and then you drove out to meet him and the rest is history. So run us through that story. Yeah. So I'm in Kansas City. He's in St. Louis. We're about three and a half hours. Uh, it's about three and a half hours drive. So we are, we followed each other before that and we were, you know, I'll see him come up. He'll see me come up. And I'm like, you know, but never thought much of it. But one day he posted a picture of like, I think it was like 20 nits, dude. Like wow. it was an insane picture. Um, he had the, the, he had the yacht, the knit, he had the cross flags. He had the, the big crest. He had all the big like hitters that, you know, you know, that you can think of. And I was like, uh, you know, <laughs> can I, can I have some of that? <laughs> he was like, yeah, I just made this old lady. I think her husband died or whatever. And she was going to donate it. So he bought it from her for, you know, a stupid price. And, uh, I was like, well, I have like loads of shit that I can trade. Are you looking to trade? And he was because he was trying to open reset. So he was looking for inventory. So I basically t- traded like four duffel bags for like four items. <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. He mentioned that. He said he, you traded like everything you had for these, these sweaters. Dude, I want like, come on. Like that's like childhood, you know, like you fantasize about those things. And it's like three and a half hours away from me. And he was nice enough to be like, yeah, like swing by. I'll check, you know, check out what you have. So I took, I went there and I took like duffel bags of like Tommy, Guess, and Nautica. Like just, I had, I had probably like five duffel bags. I'm talking like, you know, the big Tommy flag, all the stuff that would, that was wanted at that time. Yeah. You could get like good money for it, you know? So, um, and then, but, but, at the same time, like a, a cross flag, you know, sweatshirt was going for like twelve hundred bucks. So uh, literally, you have to trade a duffel bag f- to get like one one sweatshirt. You know, yeah, <laughs> totally probably dude. probably like right now you probably can get them for like maybe five, four fifty five. But at that time, they were like hot. Yeah, it's wild the the difference in price from that peak in polo based on the the reproduction market right the the repops that they yeah. did i mean even the the stadium one that they did even that sells for like 
crazy one. The, uh, the, 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 re- the remake one or the original? The, no, not the original. The the remake one, the 2017 one or 2018. Can't remember. One of wow. the two. Yeah, like the the hoodie, the pullover that like the one that Mac Miller was wearing. I mean, it still goes for like eight hundred dollars. Wow. Even though it's reproduction. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. I don't yeah. really follow that market at all. Dude, Snow Beach is on uh StockX. What are they hitting at? Snow Beaches, dude, like the Raekwon, like a grand. Yeah, crazy. And it's reproduction. <laughs> Well, it's pretty hard to get the originals these days, I would imagine. We have we don't I haven't seen any good polo come through in like at least six months, probably, like any of the OG yeah. pieces, you know? Which is like whoever got something is sitting on it. <laughs> yeah, well exactly. Wait for the market to come back up. Yeah. Yeah. So then this 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 sparks your relationship with Bruce because now you guys are partners in a store. Uh you know, longtime homies, obviously. And um, tell us how that all came to be and how you ended up partnering on Reset. Yeah, so I went to his house, right? Met up, did the trade and everything. I go to this dude's basement. This fool has a full store in his basement. Like, literally, he's got racks ready to roll, you know, shelves and whatnot. He's got shoes supreme yeezys i'm like dude like are you what are you doing like are you trying to open a store he's like fuck yeah i'm trying to open a store like we don't have anything in here and then the light bulb you know went off and he opened st louis and then once once i saw what happened and i saw the response i was like oh hell no yeah we're 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 opening one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I want some of that. Yeah, yeah, so, totally. Yeah, so well, I mean, it, it was a no-brainer, really. But it, it was, uh, you know, as you probably know, the trust is everything. Like, you got to find somebody you can trust because if the trust factor is not there, it's not going to be successful. Yeah, you know. So, how long after you knew each other did you open um, Reset KC? Maybe two years, if that. It, it was, it was, you know, uh, we were on a mission because because it grew up a little faster than what we anticipated, especially no KC. You know, uh, yeah. So St. Louis grew up, you know, and each time, each so like I'll I'll go visit every two weeks or so, or so and he will have like added something to his store, like a new shelf or a new rack or, you know, this and that. And then I go to the back room. I'm like, what the fuck are you going to do with all of this shit? He's like, I bought it, but I'll have no room to, you know? So that tells you that he could have expanded a while, but, you know, he's yeah. just taking the sweet time. And rightfully so, I think he did the right, the right thing by, you know, he waited a little bit and, uh, expended at, at, at the right time but and then we opened kc and it's just you know um for for me it was just logical to just name it reset you know and just because the name was already out there so why fight over a name and just roll with it and um 
Dude, our first day here, I mean, it was bananas. No shit. Opening day was crazy. Yeah. And we kind of waited too long, to be honest with you. We could have opened before, but we were like, we want to have the dopest shit. But I mean, our shoes wasn't there. You know, it was okay. The the hype stuff like Supreme and stuff, it was okay. But like the vintage selection that we had, it was unmatched. And I say that, you know, proud of it. <laughs> it was That's unmatched. awesome. So the mix back then, get run us through the mix that you opened with. Um we had what you call the Holy Trinity, you know. We had Polo, Tommy, and Gas. <laughs> if you had those <laughs> if you had those in 2016, you were going to make a lot of money, especially, especially those three. Like we had, we had Tom, we had Polo. I had a rack of Polo, a rack of Tommy, a rack of guests. And I, we had a rack of just guest stripe. The uh, Holy shirts. Trinity. Uh, oh, I'm yeah. telling you. I love that. You know, that you know, is, the, that the is. striped ones, they were going for like, 180, 200, some of them were oh, hit 250. People would come to the ball and be like, yo, you got the brown. That's like the sick rare colorway that so and so wore. Or you got the red stripey. And they would be like dropping knowledge yeah, on like the specific stripies. And we're just like, damn, this is deeper than we thought. Like, yeah, dude. And we even had like dead stock come ups on stripies in that era. You know, that was such a wild ride because it's it's not often that you get an item that's so similar like there's not much there's no variance when you're talking polo you're like there's like a hundred different or a thousand different types of shit you're gonna buy for polo but with guess it was like guess stripies maybe you're gonna buy some guest denim maybe you're gonna buy like a couple other like spell outs or whatever but like it was so based on the stripey yeah that's it i mean guess didn't have much to be honest with you it wasn't like you know they had this crazy uh repertoire of stuff. I mean, crewnecks were good. Uh, they had a couple of t-shirts that were like, you know, known in the vintage community. Uh, yeah. There was one t-shirt with like a strawberry on it. Like everybody wanted that one. Really? I can't. I, I don't yeah. even know that, dude. That's crazy. Uh, it, it was, uh, but the stripies were, were, you know, kings. If you oh, had yeah. those. I mean, so at, when you opened, did you, have the supreme mix the hype mix and the sneakers too or did that come later yeah but it was like i mean i'm at the shop right now but like it wasn't anything like that oh damn you got a good sneaker wall you know it was it was pretty it was pretty it it wasn't even like honestly like the the 10th of that we'll probably have like 40 pairs (laughs) yeah all together you know and so when you this is interesting to me because I've never been in the sneaker business or the, the hype business, really. But did 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 Bruce like already have the knowledge there, or did you already have the knowledge because you were a sneakerhead, or like how did that happen? And like, was it easy to to get the knowledge, or also easy to like start buying sneakers? Um, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a struggle. It was a struggle for sure. Especially for me, because I'm not really like I am into shoes, but like if I if I'm not interested in it personally, if I don't like the shoe, yeah. I'm out. But you can't have that type of mentality when you have a store. I was going to say, like, there's no way that like you're going to wear all those pairs on the wall right beside you. 
Right, right, right. So people like a lot of the other stuff that I had to get involved. You know, you got to authenticate like fakes are everywhere. Fakes are getting way too good these days to, you know, uh, they'll get you. I don't I don't care how good you are. Like you're going to slip up like one time, once or twice, you know, but that's probably good to say on the show because people love to call out people that fucked up. You know what I mean? Or posted fakes yeah. thinking they're real or like – and it's the same with vintage tees now. But it's nice of you to say like everyone slips up, man, because it's probably true. That shit's like crazy good. Yeah, 100%. I don't care what store it is. Tell me this. Like show me who, who's got a perfect score. I don't care. And they're lying. 100% lying. There's no way. Like especially when you start. Like when you first started, you know – you got it. Somebody got you on something. There's no way. It may be small. It may be big. I don't care, but somebody got you. So give so, us, give us like a slip up from your experience. Did you ever have like a big burn that you got screwed on a lot of money? No, 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 no. Luckily, luckily that never happened. And hopefully, hopefully it will never happen, dude. But, uh, I got, I got on one pair. I, I remember that because I hated that shoe. And I just wanted to make deal. Like I just wanted to make the deal happen. That dude was bugging me anyway. So I just, I was like, yeah, fine, whatever. So I gave him and then I realized that it was fake. And then luckily the person who I saw it to was cool. He came back. He was like, yo, like I, I, I took this shoe somewhere else. And they told me like, it's not good. And then I did, I went to detective mode on it after that. And sure enough, it wasn't, it was fake. But I mean, you know, yeah, it happens. happens. Not, totally, they're not gonna they're not gonna admit it. It's like uh, a full paw and like the, the the sneaker community. But I don't give a shit. It, it, it happens. Yeah. But I mean, I learned a valuable lesson. That's honesty, man. So I had a question about this world, this the, the hype game. You know, sneakers and hype. I mean, it fluctuates like the fucking vintage game. I, or even faster, right? Things are up, things are down, you know, something drops and it's like all the rage and then it, the value drops or the value goes up. Like it's kind of crazy to stay on top of. Like you got to have your finger on the pulse there, I guess, to right. do what you're doing. How do you keep your finger on the pulse? You literally just have to keep up with the releases, man. Uh, it's just, it's just how it is. And it's, uh, it's getting, you know, more and more and more. And it's, um, it changes. It, it, it's, you know, it used to be Jordan one used to dominate. Now dunks kind of took over, you know, uh, now you have easy slides. People want easy slides. They want foam runners. You know, I, I never thought I would sell a slide for like $300. Granted, they're not that much anymore. They dropped considerably in price, but like when they first released, they were going for like four or something. If I remember, uh, wow. You know, uh, but yeah, it, it just changes with time. It's like vintage, you know, like the same thing. So like right now, I, I think dunks are still like pretty, uh, pretty valid right now. Like everybody, and, and they're, um, affordable. Like dunks are affordable. Like they're not like, you know, 400 bucks. You can get a dunk for like 180, 200. Okay. You know, and you get the same colorways you get from like a Jordan one. So. I can so see give us your problem. top like like what's what's 
besides dunks, like what's the hottest shit right now in the hype sneaker game? I mean, SBs were, were hyped, pretty pretty damn hyped, but they're starting to like, you know, I'm not saying they're dying down, but it's starting to come down a little bit. You know, kind of like how rap tees were like crazy and now it's like, okay, it's a rap tee, whatever, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I said, dunks, slides, uh, don't get me wrong, Jordans are going to be Jordans. They're always going to sell. Like no matter what people say, but, and also you have um, different areas have different needs or different trends. So the Midwest is different from Cali or, you know, like stores like ours. If you go to like, say Atlanta, Georgia, they will sell, people will buy, like be looking for like Rick Owens sneakers, which is like crazy to me to think that, that's something people would want these days. Yeah. Hey, I love that you said that. I think it's super valid to talk about different cities, different towns, different States have different needs. Meaning that like, even though fashion and hype is so universal because we're all looking at the same fucking pictures or celebrities or Instagram, Uh it still changes from place to place depending on like regional fucking taste. Yeah. Which is which is awesome. Oh, yeah. Like oh. I talked to those guys like the Boneyard Boys and they're like, you know, they're telling me about shit that they sell for crazy that like the guys in Cali can't even sell, you know? Yeah. That's another thing. So like the uh, Boneyard that's, you know, Chicago, um the price difference is is the price is different for shoes also. So Boneyard compared to us, they'll be probably like 50 to 70 bucks more. Than what we sell a shoe for here. And Does that make it hard for you to be able to buy? Because everyone's just trying to reference StockX, although like your sale price might be lower than StockX. It's not hard because we go by StockX, so we have a, a you know a point where we can all agree on. But I'm t- I'm s- what I'm saying is a, a store like Boneyard will have it fifty above StockX. Okay. And they can sell it for that. Versus Just for the convenience you know, of like having it in person and grabbing. exactly, yeah. exactly. People pay for the convenience. They pay for the the fact that you have the shoe in hand. You can see it. You make sure it's good. You can possibly try it on. I don't know, depending on the store um, and how you know their policies are, stuff like that. But uh, yeah, but it's it's yeah, different. Yeah. Okay, I want to talk about um, you almost fighting some guy at the bins over a Dyson vacuum. This is a stress. Bruce told me about this. And I, I can relate only for the fact that Dysons are really, really good vacuums. If you ever want to buy a fucking vacuum, get a Dyson, especially the cordless ones. But uh, yeah, tell us about this yeah. story. Yeah, dude. I, dude, I can't remember how many Dysons I pulled out of the bins. It's not even funny. Seriously? Dude, they just get so like a Dyson that's, that's you know, a cordless one, but it's missing the battery and people just throw it away. And then whoever picks it first, they'll just end up. They'll go to like trying to plug it and try to test it. It doesn't work. Throw it away. I'm like, all right, cool. Now just scoop, you know? 
So what? So that's an easy sell, like on on eBay or something. Yeah, dude. Oh, okay. dude, Dyson. Okay. I mean, so the bins. The the advantage we have, because uh, I don't know how it is now, but back in the day, you go to the bins. Once the item is above a certain weight, it's five bucks. It can't go above five bucks. So I was getting Dysons for five bucks a pop. Yeah. I'm like, how can I not? <laughs> yeah, I love that shit. Uh, you know? Fucking Dysons. There's bad money out there in vacuums, people. Yeah, because because of the fights like that, you know, dude trying to like that. It's it's not even about the vacuum. It's just about the principle. Like, cause once they see you that you got bullied and he took your shit, it's on. Everybody's gonna try to bully you. So, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're not taking my shit, bro. This is mine. I'm taking this with me. So, yo, this I guy, can- co- this guy comes up and tries to snake your Dyson out of your cart or something. Yeah. Like, no, not out of my cart. It's it's in the bin. Like, we both see. It. I look at him. He look at me. We lock eyes. I'm like, this shit is mine, homie. Like, you're not taking it. It's just how it is. You know. And, and I, you know, I grabbed one end, he grabbed the other, I pulled it, I won, boom, done. And then after that, he came back and trying to like, yo, like, uh, I saw it before you. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. It was on the bin. I grabbed it. What's up? Like, <laughs> yo, this is jam- He probably could have whooped my ass, but I mean, I'm just, you know, I got to defend myself. That's jailhouse rules, man. Like you got, you can't get bullied because once you get bullied, it's game over. That's yeah. like the bins, man. You know, you gotta, sh- you gotta show uh, authority in the bins to get respect. Exactly, exactly. And that's the environment I come from, anyways, dude. I'm coming from Africa. Like you're not gonna take my shit. Get the fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like you grew up in fucking suburban, you know, Midwest. Do you think you're going to bully me? Get the fuck out of here. Yo, this Dyson's coming home with me. Battery or no battery? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's so sweet. they They stopped doing that. So like after that, if there's a Dyson in the mix, they'll pull it to the side and you'll get a ticket and you just raffle for it. Oh so shit! They, it got it got like that. Yeah, people. So people stop fighting. Crazy man. So, <laughs> I mean, it happened with a lot of things. It wasn't just Dyson, dude. Like I remember fighting over a, a Tommy jacket. I, I remember fighting over like an Atlanta jacket. And again, it's a it's a forty bucks, you know, uh, item. But it's the principle. Like you're not gonna take my shit away from me. Like, it's mine. I have my hand on it. That's it. I'm taking it. Yeah. It's just how it is. So is that is that the bins you used to you probably don't go anymore that much because you're in the shop and shit, or do you? I stopped. They got way too saturated, dude. It's it's right now with the TikTok stuff, it's insane. So they're probably a lot of those kids are probably coming to you anyway and selling you shit, right? I mean, and and no shade to anybody. It's just, you know, generations it changes and stuff like that. So I had to uh come out of my sour old head mode and just accept the fact that <laughs> there's younger kids that are going to take the stuff and it is what it is. So, but yeah. I have my different avenues of getting stuff. So it's just, I, it's just, you know, I'm 30 something years old. I'm not going to stand in the bin to, just to get one t-shirt. It's not. Yeah. It's not worth it anymore. If you can, if you can sp- spend more, go ha- get your time back 
and you have somewhere to sell and you're still making profit, it's just game on. Yeah. You want to tell us about like some of your like best come ups? Is there yeah. any like the, is there any single one come up that stands out as like all time or a couple or what? Not gonna lie, man, because like here in the Midwest, we were blessed with like some Paulo and some Tommy. Not gonna lie, um, but military was my biggest come up, honestly. No oh, shit. Uh, I came up one one time on this on this bin, like full of like. It was all molded, so nobody wanted to touch it. It was just me and another dude. And he kept looking at me. I looked at him, and he just took off, and it was just me. I was the only one. I mean, I'm looking at, like, you know, 40s, like, parkas. I'm looking at, like, fishtails. I'm looking at, like, uh, you know, like, Vietnamese War. Like, you know, the parkas with, like, the fur and stuff like that. I'm, I mean... One of those sold for like, I think I sold the one for like 1800, you know, back to me, 1800. I mean, you know, in 2015, I'm like, damn, that's huge. Still, it's still to this day, huge money for one item. Yeah. That's a lot of money. So like I scooped that whole band. I I took it, you know, I mean, I probably put like two items back that had some cuts on them. I kick myself and, you know, why didn't I take those two as well? Like, damn, good (laughs) to take them all back. But that that was probably my biggest come up, really, because like that was a good, you know, a whole bin of military stuff. Come on, yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah, that's probably the biggest one. But like, I had individual items like that I found that I was like really wanted. Like, I thrifted most of my polo. Really, I don't, you know. Now I buy, of course. Now I buy, but like. So let's talk about your collection for a second. How many pieces do you have currently? Like, do you have a big stash of polo still? I'm not like a crazy, like I do collect, but like, I'm not, if I don't like it, I'm out. Like I don't go out of my way to have it, just to have it, you know, like, like snow beaches, like the Raekwon does not interest me whatsoever. Like I know it's a high, you know, it's held high in the polo world, but it does not, it doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. Take the money Moving on. Yeah, I'll take the money. I'll sell it. I'm, I'm good. But like, I'll keep like, I have a little storage unit where I keep follow, you know. Uh, right now, I think last time me and Jesse talked, like we're probably pretty much on the same vibe. Like country is really, really like country with double RL is like my thing. Like I really... I want like the low key pieces that say polo without saying polo anywhere on them. That's what yeah. interests me. You know, I don't want no branding whatsoever. Or I'll take like a little bit of branding, but uh I mean, you know, like the anything with Aztec on it, I'm I'm down. You know, any big Aztec prints, I'm down. And I know I kind of contradicted myself because like the Aztec prints kind of wild, but like I don't yeah, know what it is. It's non-branded. Yeah, no, I feel you. Yeah, because I've seen you post a lot of like um, the Indian head style stuff or the Aztec stuff or like yeah. classic stuff like you're wearing right now that like does – it does scream polo. You're right, but it's not – there's no logo on that piece you're wearing at all probably, right? Yeah, yeah. There is no logo. Um, I actually recently went to uh, – I linked up with Ricky. You know, Ricky, uh, tried yeah. and true. Yeah. And – he blessed me with the 
with a snow beach, like the the military one, the parka. Oh yeah. It just Yeah, I got it from him. I was like, man, I've been looking for that one. The low key, the low key snow beach. Exactly. Like like, that's the most low key snow beach you can get. And it was it was good. So I like like that piece. Um, okay, man. Well, that kind of brings us to the end here. What's in the future for you? You know, you got any plans you want to share with us? Obviously, everybody needs to go check out Reset KC um, and follow Yusuf Demurish. But what's in the future? Um, I honestly, we we're just focused on the stores right now. Uh, maybe another location coming. Hint, hint. I don't know. <laughs> we'll we'll see we'll see how that how that ends up but uh we're just focused on the stores we're doing you know knock on wood man i hope these i hope things continue the way they they're going right now so yeah i was gonna like speaking of your stores and that like business is good right business is solid in the retail game can't complain. I cannot complain. I, you know, you put into work and you get the results. It's 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 just what it is. I'm just, I just you know, we go out there. We you know, you travel everywhere. You go for the vintage, but I I try to remind myself all the time that vintage is the basis of what I do. It's the you know what I'm saying. It's the essence of what I do. I always put vintage first. I like shoes. I like hype. I'm always going to go for those as well. But vintage is what I like the most personally. So I I try to stick to it as much as I can. Because the the reason why I'm saying that is any other store owner like uh like you know us, they will relate. Because once you get into the shoes and the hype, they will take over like everything. Like they, yeah, they so will. you're kind of like your mantra. You're reminding yourself, like, stay rooted in the soul with the vintage, no matter what happens with the rest of it, because that's yep. that's the one true love and and the, the the starting point. Right, and I keep I try to keep like stuff that like even like right now, like you know, band tees. They're always going to be relevant, you know. I mean. Ever since I started until this day, banties are always, always in the mix. You know, denim jackets, you stick to the classics. He sticks like even right now, like because I grew up with it, I try to have M65s here, like, you know, in the store. And it's a popular item too. Like Japanese people, if, even if nobody buys it, Japanese buyer will buy it. They'll take yeah. it. It's it's just it's it's just a good jacket. It's wearable. It's yeah. classic. It like almost can be a good clean M65 can be like dressed up to a degree, right? Like you can wear it out because it looks fucking good. Right. Or you can wear it like a uh, the movie taxi driver and like you know. Totally. Truck and Mohawk and there you go. You're good to go, baby. <laughs> hell yeah. Hell yeah. The M- shout out the M65. We'll, we're going to put one on the screen in case people don't know what that is. Um, yeah. Okay. Any any final shout outs on the show here you want to? Uh... Oh, dude. Of course. Shout out the Heifetz brothers for sure. Dude, you, you guys were like one of the very first people I ever like came across on IG. It was you. you. Appreciate that. It was uh, Full Court. Shout out Full Court Classics. Uh, Sean, 
I shout out Sean, man. He's he's always showing love. I you know I, I followed Sean when probably he had like 50k followers before anything started. You know, round two was just Virginia before LA before the LA store opened. Um, who else, man? Who else? Who else? Fresh Kills Vintage. I know he doesn't probably doesn't know, but like he was one of the very first people I followed as well. He's from New York. Uh, Pete, he's pretty, pretty good dude. Um, man, who else? Cause I mean, the community at that time, it was pretty, you know, I want to, I don't want to say small, but like the people were like, you know, you can tell who, who was here, I mean, who's not. Looking at the dude, what's happened uh, now? Got it, it was got super it for small. cheap from Canada. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he he's was, a Vancouver boy. We see each other on all yeah. the events and stuff. Yeah. Crazy Loco. I mean, he was, he was there as well. Um, you know, there's some people that I, I used to see in real life. I, I had an IG because I had to, like, you have to be involved in social media. You have no choice these days. If you want to evolve, come on. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, I had the old head mentality. Like, I don't want to deal with anything, but you have to. There's no way. Especially nowadays, you have to make reels. Dude, I haven't made a reel. <laughs> I have yet to make one. <laughs> Get on uh, it. Well, don't worry. You're going to be on. You're, no, you're going to be on a reel because I'm going to make a reel for this show. And that'll be your first reel. And you'll, I'll, I'll yeah. collaborate you on it. So you'll, you'll post it. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I mean, well, speaking of which, that's, this is why I admire you guys because you, you know how to adapt to the situation that's going on and you have to change with the times. You can't have the old head mentality that will drive you out of the business. You can't, you just can't, you gotta go with the groove. You gotta go with it. Don't fight it. Go with it. I learned that the hard way, but I learned it. Like I know. So that's why I like, I had to like, yeah. you know, like you, too, too like many 30. people, like it, it, people resist it, but it doesn't have to mean that you don't have to, you don't, you have to stop. It doesn't mean you don't have fun anymore. Like we're still right. having the same fucking fun, good time that we always did. And we still are passionate about the clothes in the same way. It's just like, you know, you, the certain change is constant, man. You have to adapt. Right. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to change with it. You know, I mean, you don't have to like it. You just, you know, just change with it. Just respect, at least respect it. That's it. I mean, I learned that the hard way, but I did learn. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's the number one thing I really noticed about you guys. You, you guys but you guys have all, you've been, you've always been crushing it. It seems like you've always been um, up with like, you know, I look at your account and it's like one of the better curations and your picture quality is always super on point. Your lay flats are super on point. Like you're, you're, you're very thoughtful about it. I used to be bad. I used to be bad, dude. I'll just like throw it out there and just take a picture. There it is. Buy it or fuck off. It, it was my mentality, you know, but like I learned that you, like, you gotta, you gotta present it like a little bit better and stuff like that. So yeah. I you know well, it works, man. I hate to I hate technology too, but I love it at the same time. <laughs> it's a gift and a curse. It is, it is, it is. So thank you for coming on the show, dude. I appreciate it. Uh I always love catching up, like when we see each other at the bowl, going for dinner, I whatever. I think you're yeah. you're a good guy. And you by the way, Bruce, your partner, speaks very highly of you. Uh 
you know, That's he was guy, he my was God. very hype on uh, you know telling me that. So thank you for coming on the show. All the best in all your endeavors. Appreciate you, man. I'll see you. Oh yeah, by the way, before we leave, I saw Taryn moved back uh, to LA, right? So He's back. next time I'm gonna hit you guys up. Yeah, we're gonna go. We'll go. Uh, we'll go for a big group dinner. Yeah, hell yeah, a ma- a right, mafia bro. mafia dinner. Appreciate. It. Oh <laughs> hell yeah! <laughs> Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Hope you liked that episode. Uh, it was great catching up with Yousef. Such a good dude. Um, he's out there grinding, been grinding, family man, doing his thing. I respect it big time. Okay, if you want to check out the Patreon, link down below. Go shop FSNFrankVintage.com. Use code VTGNSTUFF and get 30% off. Okay, you heard that. Use code VTGNSTUFF. I'll put that on the screen. VTG and stuff and get 30% off at fsandfrankvintage.com. Go check out Bid Stitch, share this episode, like this episode, and we will see you back next Monday for a brand new conversation about vintage and stuff. <laughs>